When you're in a market leadership position as a company, it can be challenging. People can say, well, what's wrong? It's not broken. What are you trying to fix? We're, we're number one. And our goal was we are number one, but sometimes you got to be willing to disrupt yourself to get better and to maintain that number one. So we're kind of looking at it as like not all the things we did to, to get to our, our upcoming hundred year, but what can we do to position State Farm to be here for the next hundred years? Welcome to The Restless Ones. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I've spent more than a decade really learning about technology, what makes it tick, and then describing and explaining that to my audience. But it's the conversations with the world's most unconventional thinkers, the leaders at the intersection of technology and business that fascinate me the most. In partnership with T-Mobile for Business, I explore the unique set of challenges that CIOs and CTOs face from advancements in cloud and edge computing, software as a service, Internet of Things, and, of course, 5G. We are often left wondering how the leading minds in business continue to thrive. Let's find out. Today, we're honored to have on the show Ashley Pettit, Chief Information Officer of State Farm. Ashley joined State Farm 30 years ago and is the company's first female CIO. On top of her responsibilities as CIO, she spends time encouraging young women and girls to study STEM subjects and pursue careers in tech. I sat down with Ashley to learn more about the incredibly complex technological underpinning of State Farm. And I started off getting to know a bit more about her background. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us for The Restless Ones. And one thing I love to do right off the top of a show is to get to know the person I'm interviewing a little bit more. And I'm just curious, when and how did you first get interested in technology? Yeah, thanks for having me, Jonathan. So I didn't grow up on technology. And I think other than probably playing Atari in junior high and high school on, on my home system, my first exposure to technology was late in high school, where we took a basic programming class. And I would say my real interest got harvested more when I was in college. So I was a finance major in the College of Business, and we had to take a couple computer classes as part of that curriculum. And I just really gravitated to those classes such that by the time I was ready to graduate, I had a double major then in finance and MIS. Well, well first of all, you had the perfect entry point with the Atari uh <laughs> Whether it was the computer system, the 2600 or the 5200, it doesn't matter to me. I love the idea that you grew to love technology through something that I think a lot of people, when they go to college, they view those necessary classes as a burden. And it turned out to be a gateway for something that you might not have otherwise encountered. Was there a specific point in your experience at college where you thought, yeah, this is something I want to pursue as a potential career? There was. So when I first started college, I was electrical engineering as my <laughs> declared major. I always loved math and science, but for some reason, electrical engineering just didn't do it for me. Switched to College of Business and Finance. And it was actually my very first professor in my MIS 
class who was like, you pick up on this really quickly. Have you ever thought about? And I hadn't really. I was doing it to your point more as like a secondary kind of general ed requirement. And really that encouragement was all the boost that I needed. And I'm one, I'm just wired my personality. I love a good challenge. And so for me, it was something fun, something different, something I just didn't really have a background in. And so that learning and exploring process just turned out to be a lot of fun. Well, it it may have been that electrical engineering wasn't the right path for you, but you certainly are coming across to me as an engineer, someone who sees the world as a series of challenges and looks for potential solutions. So what was your experience like when studying tech and when working in the tech world? I know that you are an advocate for women to go further into STEM uh, studies and STEM careers. What was it like for you? So in college, I would say my journey was a little hit or miss in in terms of representation of women. Certainly in electrical engineering, those classes were much more male-dominated. College of Business, as you started to think about business administration and marketing and just the range of courses and degrees, probably more 50-50. And I feel incredibly fortunate. You know, as I reflect on my journey into State Farm from the beginning, my first supervisor at State Farm was a woman. And I've had great mentors, bosses, male and female, throughout my career. But it it has never been an issue for me at State Farm thinking about representation of females, really, even representation of females in technology. When I started, I would say the problem was I saw them at entry-level leader positions. I saw some of them advancing to middle management positions. Um, Certainly at that time, 30 years ago, there were very few, if any, in the senior-most positions. And so for me, like you said, it's just been an incredible journey. I'm the first female CIO at State Farm uh, in in 99 years, right? And I'm incredibly proud of that, but I think it just showcases State Farm's approach to diversity and inclusion and what a supportive company and environment I'm part of. So very, very thankful for that. It, it definitely sounds remarkable. As someone who has covered technology for several years, uh, the, the story of of companies being where State Farm was when you first joined, that being that there was you know, a lack of, of women executives at, at higher levels. It is refreshing to hear that that was something that was already uh, transforming when you joined 30 years ago at State Farm. You wouldn't think about that for a company that is one year away from celebrating its centennial. Absolutely. And you're right. Now, as I participate in industry meetings, right, with peer CIOs, Fortune 50, 100 companies, many of whom have a a global scale and arena, the stories are not like mine. And I think that's unfortunate. And that's really part of what has fueled my passion to to want to mentor, to be very active in STEM and building uh, those skills in our communities. I just think it's incredibly valuable, not just to females to feel valued and seen and recognized in the organization, but uh, firmly believe the, the organizations are better for it. The solutions we build are more representative of our customers and the community. So I, I think everyone wins when, when we do the right thing. 
Yes, and we're going to dive even more into that and a little bit further into this conversation, but I uh, really take heart in what you are saying. When did you join State Farm and what was your first position with the company? Yes. So I started in June of 1991, two weeks after graduating college. And my first job was as an HP COBOL programmer. And so my first assignment was to support some software applications that were used to move claims between claim reps, claim offices. Basically what that meant was it was batch code that ran off hours So if my code didn't work well, if I failed to test it correctly, uh, I was going to get a call in the middle of the night and uh, be on the phone trying to troubleshoot uh, autoflow or or come up with a corrective action to walk the data center technician through. Wow. You really cut your teeth (laughs) early on, (laughs) early on in your career. And so skipping, obviously, way ahead, what was your journey from the point where you were coding for one department to becoming the chief information officer. Yeah, so I moved into a senior vice president role over our enterprise technology group back in 2017. It was on the heels of a a pretty sizable transformation and revamp of our, our technology capabilities. And then two years later in 2019, officially was named CIO. And this is a question I love to ask my guests. Let's assume that uh, you know you're at a a casual party, everyone's happily vaccinated, and someone asks, "Well, what do you do for a living? How do you describe your job to someone?" So usually, I will say I do all things technology, and that's partially true. So in our environment, um, I have a great partner, our chief digital officer, and collectively, we lead uh, enterprise technology for State Farm. So uh, my part of that uh, is kind of everything that's behind the scenes, infrastructure, IT operations, data and analytic tool and platforms, engineering and architecture practices. My peer, the the chief digital officer, oversees all of our uh, customer business-facing applications and software. And you use an analogy of like building a house. Um, He's done all the decorating and picked the paint colors and the furniture and and the style. And um, I've got the plumbing and the light switches and electrical. So a lot of the stuff that's probably not quite as sexy and and that people don't really notice, it's a little bit uh, inside the wall or behind the curtain, but critically important and certainly gets noticed when it doesn't doesn't work. Right. It's the technology that enables everything else to work. Exactly. And when that underlying yes. technology doesn't work, that's a major issue, obviously. Well, let's let's segue into talking a little bit about your uh, leadership style and your strategy, a little bit more about your department. What is the scope of your department? At State Farm, our enterprise technology group, we are the, the technology provider for the enterprise. We're, we're running infrastructure and platforms. We run our own data centers. We're beginning to migrate workloads, uh, both applications and data, into public cloud. But we, we are uh, responsible for enabling our agents We're responsible for enabling tools that our customers directly use, uh, whether that's on our mobile app or or statefarm.com. 
We're enabling all of our operational areas. I, I referenced claims earlier, but certainly underwriting and our pricing capabilities in actuary across all of our, our suite of products. So State Farm offers more than 100 products across PNC and financial services to our customers. Uh, we are enabling and supporting that technology for all of those. And you know, we've mentioned that that State Farm is is nearly 100 years old. Uh, with a company that has that kind of history, obviously there's there's this tendency to lean on things like legacy systems, which can uh, sometimes require extra consideration when you want to do things like migrate to new systems, particularly cloud-based operations. What sort of challenges do you face as CIO working for a company that that has been around for nearly a century? Yeah, it's really a great question, Jonathan. We have a myriad of technologies that have been uh, assembled and put together over 40, 50 years, and they're running millions of transactions and processes uh, every day that are critical to running our operations. And so as you try to modernize these systems, um, understanding dependencies and, and where things intersect, um, navigating, pulling business rules out of technology and trying not to break things as you're trying to modernize and, and make them better um, certainly becomes a, a delicate balance. We have a number of modernization efforts underway, shifting to data lakes in, in public cloud to drive some of our advanced analytic capabilities, incorporating software as a service. Historically, all of our software was custom built in-house, and now we've become much more of an integrator of software solutions, putting pieces together. We have a multi-year plan, and teams are, are collectively tackling that and trying to do so in a way where it's not just modernizing technology for the sake of the technology. We're trying to align the technology advancements with their desire to reinvent a business process and, and really shift their business strategy. So a lot of time is spent between business and technology at State Farm, just trying to align, make sure that, that we have that same sense of urgency and focus for the outcomes. I can't think of another industry that uh, perhaps aerospace that relies so heavily on very complex mathematical formulas that rely on numerous variables. And the thought of bringing systems into a new era of technology while still staying true to all these very complex formulas that have been developed throughout the history of State Farm, it, it blows my mind. When I was looking into the research on this episode, I found multiple places where the phrase digital transformation was being used with regard to State Farm. With that in mind, would you say that the sort of the, the pace of evolution has picked up uh, since you started at State Farm? Absolutely. Yeah. The cycles in technology when I first started seemed to be there was a new programming language coming out, right? And you'd often have years of lead time between a new one coming out. Now, whether it's hardware, componentry, software languages, or as we think about some of the emerging technologies like machine learning, right, that are, are just leapfrogging and enabling us to do things that weren't even possible before. Certainly the pace of change is faster. And 
I, I think we feel the pressure of that, pressure on the, the technology side to effectively deploy and align the technology capabilities that will really cause our business to thrive and push forward. But there are unique challenges that we have to work through in an organization our size on adoption and consumption of technology. And that's a new pace as well. And so uh, renewed emphasis on training and how do we learn in small pockets and then quickly scale and adapt. And it becomes less about deploying the technology and it really becomes more about leveraging the technology to produce some value or outcome uh, whether it's a simplified process uh, for an employee, so we've eliminated manual tasks for them, we're doing things in the background uh, that they don't have to sit and key into the system, um, or whether it's a very intuitive interface for a customer uh, so that they can, with ease, self-service. And if they want to be a digitally oriented customer and navigate a process themselves, uh, for insurance or a, a financial services product, how do we make it easy for them to do that? So uh, that that omni-channel experience of uh, being there with help screens and, and advice and uh, training our people, uh, but making it simple that somebody on a mobile phone can navigate the same process uh, equally effective. Um, it, it's a little bit of a trick. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably the understatement of the podcast. <laughs> a little bit of a trick. Well, right. let's talk a little bit about your approach to leadership. And one of the things I was very curious about is uh, what are the qualities you look for when you want to uh, mentor people to move into leadership positions? Increasingly at State Farm, and, and I think most companies are like this, uh, you have this shift of, you know, I grew up in technology, so I'm a, a technologist at heart, uh, but there, there's this need to understand the business, the, the industry that you work in. And um, so we've really seen this convergence um, in our leaders as we think about kind of digital leaders of the future. I need to understand my business so that I can take technology concepts that are emerging and, and be able to reimagine my business workflow um, and, and vice versa, right? And, and so increasingly, I think we're, we're looking for and encouraging our leaders have experience kind of on both sides of the house, if you will, within technology, but in some of the core business areas, whether that's our claims operation or underwriting or pricing, um, and, and know what that is. And we talk a lot about um, having a growth mindset. Right. So we were talking a minute ago just about this pace of change. And um, we need leaders who are intellectually curious. Right. And, and they want to ask why, who are, are pretty optimistic and positive. They see challenges not as something to kind of run the other way from, but they kind of thrive in that environment of tough problems and hard problems tend to produce like breakthrough results and great accomplishments. If there's one thing most businesses can agree on these days, it's that change has never come about so quickly. New ways of working have become the norm. As a result, 
the status quo no longer cuts it when it comes to helping businesses adapt and innovate. That's why T-Mobile for Business uses unconventional thinking to help businesses work smarter and grow faster. Only T-Mobile offers America's largest and fastest 5G network. It's just one reason they're better able to help businesses solve the real-world challenges they face as they evolve. For instance, their new WFX solutions help team members stay connected and productive where work happens. With nearly two and a half times the network coverage of AT&T, nearly four times more than Verizon, and $40 billion invested in network and business improvements over the next three years, T-Mobile for Business is better for your business right now and into the future. See what they can do for your organization at tmobile.com slash unconventional. Open signal awarded T-Mobile fastest 5G network based on average speeds. USA 5G user experience report January 2021. Capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some users may require certain plan or features. See tmobile.com. Yeah, you, you've touched on on so many things that uh, that I find really important. The idea of breaking out of that silo mindset where you focus primarily on just one element of a business is crucial, I, I think. Uh, also, that that idea of inviting people in to who who don't have that that preset expectation that something has to be done a specific way because that's how it's been done. And a lot of this is echoing things that I've heard from other thought leaders, and and it's just creating this really rich uh, uh, landscape in technology and business that I was not really aware of before I started doing this show. And uh, I wanted to, to loop back and touch on, on something we had already mentioned a little bit, but I wanted to maybe get a little more detail about some of the initiatives that you participate in that are aimed at uh, young women and girls to get uh, involved in STEM subjects. And uh, also beyond that, what you think companies and leaders can do to address issues that traditionally have discouraged women from pursuing STEM education and STEM careers. Within State Farm, I'm one of our executive sponsors of our Women in Technology Employee Resource Group. And that's a great opportunity to encourage women within our company, whether they're currently in the technology department or not, to network, to do some of that crossover from business to tech or the other direction, to provide encouragement, really just to be a role model for them. And you know, I, I think it's incredibly humbling to me. We talked about being, you know, the first woman CIO at State Farm and the obligation, kind of the sense of purpose of people seeing someone that looks like them in the highest, highest levels of the organization. And if I can do it and get here, they can as well. And so that notion of spending time with them, encouraging them, knocking down roadblocks that get in their way and leveraging my position, power and influence for good in that fashion. So in the communities where we serve, we do a lot of STEM-oriented programs. It's a specific program targeted at girls in fifth through eighth grades. And much of the data is you study uh, girls and different age groups, and when they start to have a fallout rate, it's typically at that middle school, junior high age, where they quit raising their hand in class, uh, 
they get a bit overwhelmed and overshadowed. It's a series of hands-on labs, uh, but they also get exposed to role models and mentors so that they can start to see what is a path? What might that look like? What's a college degree or program that I could study? What's a class that I might want to take as an elective in high school? We've had girls that went through that program who now are graduating from college, right? As scientists and medical professionals and, and technologists and engineers. And we've brought them back to the program uh, with pictures of themselves in fifth grade, you know, uh, at the program to show the girls, like, you can do this too. And um, that just has my heart. There's power in that. It's great to hear about any initiative that manages to create a welcoming space leads to an environment where you have women with their own perspectives coming in with expertise into different fields. And that way, all the different organizations benefit from those perspectives they otherwise never would have access to. Can you tell me about a project or undertaking that you're particularly proud of outside of the STEM? Because I, I think it's pretty clear that has to be way up there. <laughs> you, you knew that would be top of my list. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I reflect back uh, before I was in my, my uh, SVP and CIO role, I, I mentioned we went through a, a pretty sizable transformation. And um, I feel like that's a, a bit of my legacy that, that I'll leave here at State Farm. And it, it was an effort we undertook back in uh, uh, 2015, 16 timeframe to really just look at our technology capabilities. Increasingly, we were seeing that business and, and digital connection and really wanted to make sure we had our act together. And so we looked at the alignment of technology to our business strategies and outcomes. We looked at how we were prioritizing and making IT investments, where we were placing, right, the, those digital bets, if you will. We looked at our internal structure and processes for how we did work and said, these, these kind of seem a little dated too. So as we're modernizing the technology, let's modernize our methods. Going through a process like that in an organization our size and when you're in a market leadership position as a company can be challenging. People can say, well, what's wrong? It's not broken. What are you trying to fix? We're, we're number one. And our goal was we are number one, but sometimes you got to be willing to disrupt yourself to get better and to maintain that number one. So we're kind of looking at it as like not all the things we did to, to get to our, our upcoming hundred year, but what can we do to position State Farm to be here for the next hundred years? And I'm super proud of our team. They're delivering tremendous capabilities for our organization at a faster pace, iterating and learning. It's just been incredible to watch. Their accomplishments are just evident in industry awards that we have, business partner feedback, the growth of State Farm. We've just never seen technology driving our enterprise growth in, in such a tight fashion. Well, and you've, you've hit a real theme of the restless ones right on the head. The idea that complacency it has no real place in, in business. If you grow complacent 
and you are unwilling to make the moves to bring uh, businesses into the next era, you can be darn sure someone else is going to. I think this is a great point for us to kind of transition and talk about emerging technologies. You mentioned machine learning earlier, and we'll jump into that. But one thing I must ask is, uh, in what ways is State Farm investing in 5G technology? How do you anticipate leveraging 5G? I think for us, when you think about our distributed footprint, 19,000 plus agent storefronts uh, in an extended network and, and telecom environment that, that fully connects all of our facilities together, this notion of lower latency and high capacity, right? There, there's power in what that could mean to our organization. I just think in a hyper-connected world, and as you think about sensors and data and just the volume of of movement across networks, uh, 5G has potential to be a real game changer. Well, and clearly when we talk about State Farm, we are talking about a company that is right there on the border of big data. And with the emergence of uh, new artificial intelligence tools, particularly in the world of machine learning, we're starting to see incredible ways to leverage this enormous amount of data. So in in what ways has State Farm been leaning on things like AI or machine learning? How are you looking at those technologies to enable uh, State Farm's mission? So I would say our strategy is very much this intersection of like human and digital capabilities together. And So our human element, obviously fulfilled through our agents, our agent team members, you know, our customer facing associates. But how do we leverage emerging technologies like machine learning and AI to simplify our customer experiences, to create efficiencies straight through processing, minimize Uh, a lot of the manual uh, work that our our operations employees do. And um, when we deploy those technologies effectively, for us, the benefit is we then can have our associates, whether it's an agent, focus on selling, right? Focus on meeting and understanding the needs of their customers, uh, which is the value add for them. Or if it's an operations and underwriting employee, I would rather have them truly assessing unique risk rather than doing manual tasks uh, that, that we can streamline for them. And I think now we're, we're at the point where we're starting to see some value from State Farm as the largest insurer, number one. We have more data data than our competitors. Um, you don't win by having the most data. All that does is increase your storage cost if, I, if I'm just dragging it with me. But it's what's the power? What, what's the uh, inferences and insights that that data brings? And then how do I incorporate and, and leverage that? It sounds a lot like uh, that the, the AI in this case is in that realm, I like to call augmented intelligence, where very much right, you are augmenting your your workforce, your customers, your partners with technology, as opposed to the scary science fiction dystopia version of AI where everyone gets displaced. We're seeing that's not really the case. We're seeing that the deployments tend to be how can we allow people to do their jobs, but more efficiently, How can we free them up to be what they're truly good at and have everything else kind of be taken care of in the background? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, 
I also have to ask about one of my favorite topics because it's the one that consistently uh, becomes the most challenging for me to describe to the uninitiated. Uh, Is State Farm exploring blockchain? And if so, how? Yeah, you may have seen we uh, kind of advanced some work in partnership with USAA. And uh, really, this relates to using blockchain technology for claim subrogation um, activities. And so um, over the past year, uh, we've worked with USAA uh, cooperatively, uh, kind of training the blockchain technology, making sure we had things right. Um, and today we're really in a full production mode where um, all of those subrogation settlements between USAA and, and State Farm are leveraging a, a blockchain process. I think about 75,000 checks uh, are exchanged per year. So, so that's a high volume process uh, where, again, the technology can have a, a real material impact on our business as we think about scaling this in 2021, this is about how do we start to onboard other carriers uh, to, to leverage that blockchain. And so uh, super excited uh, about that partnership with USAA and, and forming that consortium around claim subrogation. I think this might be the first case where I've spoken with someone where a blockchain use was not purely a hypothetical, but was actually put in in practice in a pilot program. And out of curiosity, were there were there those sort of conversations within State Farm just to kind of have people wrap their minds around what blockchain actually is? Absolutely. So much like other emerging technologies, um, you know, we dabbled in blockchain just to understand, well, what is it and how would we use it? And um, I, I think for a while, that business use case was just elusive. And I can reflect on sitting in industry meetings with my peers, e- even just 24 months ago. And it's like, okay, we get the technology. We, we understand the ledger concept and how that works, but like, where would we ever use it? A few of my peers in banking, they can make the very literal jump to a financial ledger and you can say, okay, I can see that. But beyond that, it it was difficult to find a a path through. And um, so again, we're we're excited that our our labs team persisted and formed that partnership with USAA and and that they were creative in their thinking to apply that to subrogation and and who knows where that may lead uh, now that we've got that example. Well, are there any other emerging technologies we haven't really touched on that State Farm is looking into things that you're particularly interested in? We're, we're always doing forms of research. Uh, we have some early stage uh, look at quantum computing and, and what the possibilities, right, and, and potentials are there. Always looking at things like next-gen network, telecom, anything that adds more kind of software-defined or automation into that space is super helpful. So those are probably the top two that that come to mind that we hadn't talked about. Yeah. I mean, quantum computing, when we start getting into superposition and qubits and stuff, we, we know we really are touching the bleeding edge of technology. Of course, I couldn't let Ashley go without asking her one more thing. What keeps you up at night? (laughs) 
so many things. Coffee. <laughs> no, just I think it's for me making sure that I'm keeping pace with new technologies, with capabilities that that my organization, again, you know, providing a lot of the the foundational capabilities for State Farm. Um, you have to have lead time for those. And so for me, it, it's just trying to make sure I don't have blind spots, that that I'm aware of those things, um, and that, that I'm kind of signaling to my team to make sure they're pressing and have a sense of urgency to try to drive those. And then probably that I'm, I'm listening as well. Ashley, thank you so much again for joining us. This was a fantastic conversation, and I'm very pleased that I got the opportunity to speak with you today. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here, and uh, it was great to speak with you. It's hard for me to say what most impressed me about Ashley. Her extensive knowledge about tech, coupled with the drive to continue to learn as new innovations emerge, is certainly admirable. Her role in helping State Farm embrace new technologies and avoid complacency is another. But I think it's her dedication to helping young women and girls explore STEM subjects in a space that is welcoming and encouraging, giving them every opportunity to discover a love and affinity for subjects that they might otherwise avoid because of social pressures and expectations. That's what really impresses me the most. And once again, I find that a company I wouldn't have necessarily associated with technology is not just relying on tech, but exploring the bleeding edge of technology. I don't get to talk about quantum computing that frequently, after all. Make sure you join us for future episodes of The Restless Ones, where we'll sit down with other leaders in the tech space to get insights on leadership and how to leverage technology to a company's best advantage. Thanks for listening. I'm Jonathan Strickland. These days, new ways of working have become the norm, and the status quo no longer cuts it when it comes to helping businesses evolve and grow. That's why T-Mobile for Business uses unconventional thinking to help businesses seize innovation. Only T-Mobile offers America's largest and fastest 5G network, which makes their new WFX solutions possible letting businesses stay connected and productive where work happens. See what T-Mobile for Business can do for you at tmobile.com slash unconventional. Open Signal awarded T-Mobile fastest 5G network based on average speeds. USA 5G user experience report January 2021. Capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some users may require certain plan or features. See t-mobile.com. 